pray with me? Lord, we, uh, we need you. We need you desperately every day and every hour. Every single moment, we need you. And uh, God, it, it kind of breaks our heart as to how easily it is for us to forget that and, and how easy it is for us to go our own way and, and forget how much we need you. But what we pray is that in this moment and in this time that we are here together, that God, you remind us just how desperately that we need you. And God, as we talk about community today, um, Lord, my prayer is that you would help us to also open our eyes and hearts to the fact that we need each other. And so God, we, we just rely on you to do that today. We invite you into this space. We invite you into our hearts so that you could help us to become the people that you have called us to be. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, as I mentioned in my prayer, uh, we're going to talk today about engaging in community. And uh, for many of you, this is going to feel really, really natural. You're just community-minded. You know, this is as natural as a poncho and love beads. You know, you're like, yeah, community. Yeah, preacher, right on. Peace, love. Let's talk about it. Amen. <laughs> For others of you, this will be more like the ice bucket challenge, kind of like having an ice bucket doused over the top of your head. <coughs> I think a lot of us, um, we struggle with the whole idea of deep, meaningful connection with others. And, it, you know, it, to me, it kind of makes sense because, you know, the society that we live in is so individualistic. You know, we focus on individualism and self-achievement and being interconnected, you know, in such deep community. You know, for some of us, it just doesn't sound appealing at all. But, you know, God designed us for community in mind. And if you take out your outline, you'll notice one of our first points is that we are designed for community. We're designed for community. God himself lives in the beauty and love of interconnected community as Father and Son and Spirit. Matter of fact, when you open your Bible, the very first thing you see in the first book of Genesis, the first four words are, in the beginning, God. And the word God there is the word Elohim. And Elohim is actually plural. You see, one God that lives in three persons in community together. And if you go a little further, <coughs> excuse me, in the chapter of Genesis, chapter 1, you'll see that God created us as human beings in his image. God designed us for community with him and also with one another. And there's great harmony in that unity. And, but by the time you get to chapter 3, we'll notice that the man and the woman that God created, they rebel against God's plan and his design, and sin enters the world. And so we have sin, and we have death, and we have separation from God, spiritual separation. And... Uh, the unfortunate part of that is they became separated from God, but they also became separated from one another. And there was all of a sudden, you know, they were pointing the finger and blaming each other. There was hiding, you know, apart from each other in the bushes there. And the whole rest of the Bible is this story about God's plan to bring us back together with him. You know, especially focusing on the New Testament where Jesus is revealed as the savior of our sin that brings us back into relationship with him, but also with one another. And this new life that God promises for us is an adoption into the family of God, an interconnected and loving community 
just like he originally planned long ago. You see, we belong together. So I wanted to pick a passage that I felt, you know, really kind of expressed this idea about how we can understand the depth of community that God wanted for us. So I chose 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 to 27. So if you have a Bible, you might um, turn it and open it there. We're going to look at that whole section. And if you don't have a Bible, don't worry about that. The verses will be up here on the screen and you can follow right along. Now, typically, uh, this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, <laughs> it is a description of the spiritual gifts. And it's a, a verse that we would study if we're studying spiritual gifts. But I like it because it also talks about the premise behind spiritual gifts. That God designed us together to belong together and how he wants us to engage in community. So... Uh, why don't you get ready? And I think this actually, this verse set a section right here. I think it's actually going to surprise you a little bit. It's going to feel like that ice bucket. And so let's take a look at the first point here. See, we belong together because we are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. This is a profound truth that I think really ought to blow your mind. I mean, think about it. And for those of you who don't know Jesus yet, I think this is going to intrigue you. See, because the Bible teaches that when a person receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that at that moment, Christ pays for all of their sin, all of their sin is forgiven, and at that moment, they're spiritually unified with Christ, and they receive God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit in their life, and they're entering into a whole different reality, a whole new life of community with other believers, and with Christ, who together are called the body of Christ. I just think that's amazing. Let's take a look at the passage. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 and 27. says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And then look at this. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. See, it doesn't matter where we come from or who we are or what we've done. When we receive Jesus Christ, we all become part of a family, and we belong together. So here's how this works. First, we're united to Christ. We're united to Christ. Jesus at one point in time was with his disciples and he was explaining to them about when he was going to leave the earth and telling them that his spirit, the Holy Spirit was going to come in his, in his place and that how he would be in them. I can't imagine what they thought about that. And it's recorded in John 14. He says this, when I'm raised to life again, you'll know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. He was talking about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That through the Spirit, we're baptized into Christ. Our life is joined with His. He becomes the source of our existence. And the Spirit becomes part of the power that connects us to one another and gives us power to live by. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6.17. He says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. We find this, you know, Paul has this interesting illustration. I remember the first time I read this. It really just, I don't know, it had a huge impact on me. But in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, he's describing the marriage covenant about, 
you know, a man and a woman getting married. And in verse 31, he says this, that a man leaves his father and mother and holds fast to his wife, and the two become one flesh. And in the very next sentence, he says, this is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. Now, Paul says that in the marriage union, in some spiritual sort of way, these two become one. And then he says that this is an illustration of how Christ and the church are also one. Now, I have to admit to you, I have no idea what this mystery truly means. But as I said, it totally just takes my breath away. I mean, it just leaves me awestruck. I don't think we have any beginning of comprehension to understand truly what Christ has done for us. There's even more than that, though. And that's this, that we are united to one another. See, uh, God's plan is that we we be united together with Christ in a very unique and special way for a very powerful purpose. He talks about this in Romans chapter 12, 4 and 5. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Apostle Paul says that our connection with Christ is also connection to each other. He describes this profound interconnectedness that we have between us, like parts of the human body. And then when it says here that we belong to each other, you know, if you translate that literally from the original language, it says this, we are members of one another. Wow, what in the world does that mean? Well, you know, let's use the body illustration that Paul used here, okay? So let's say I'm walking down the street, and for some reason, somebody shoots me in the left shoulder. (laughs) Automatically, my right hand is going to grab for my shoulder. Why? Because my body is connected as part of each other. It's almost like my hand feels the pain that my shoulder does. It's a deep connection. A while back, several years ago, I went to a hockey game. And uh, there was a a family that wanted to treat me to this, and they had seats right up front. It was awesome. And so we're watching the game, and then all of a sudden, a puck flies over the glass. It's heading right toward me. I think I'm going to get clocked in the head. And in one moment, you know, my eyes see it. My brain reacts. It it engages my stomach muscles and my back, and I was able to duck down, and the puck missed me. Then it hit the lady next to me in the face. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Felt so bad. It's just automatic reaction, you know. They had to take her away. It was, but she came back later, um, a little banged up. <laughs> Sorry, but the point of this is, <laughs> we are many parts of one body. That Christ is our head, and we're all connected. You know, part of one another, and we belong together. We're the body of Christ. The next point is this: that we are all necessary parts of the whole, necessary parts of the whole. God knows that the very strongest form of unity is unity that comes through diversity. Diversity, when every different part of the body works together in harmony and every part participates to strengthen the whole. In verse 14 to 20 of 1 Corinthians 12, yes, the body has many different parts, not just the one part. If the foot says... I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand. That doesn't make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eyeball, (laughs) would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, 
How would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God's put every part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. See, this is the beauty of God's plan of unity through diversity. It's a plan that fosters connectedness and interdependence. But see, unless every part plays it and participates together and works together, what can happen is our diversity can divide us instead of unite us. And see, in this case, the Corinthians that Paul is writing to, what's happening is they're complaining about their gifts, they're comparing them to each other, and they're not working together as one body. And the result was more self-serving than it was self-giving. And a lot of churches can struggle with this. You know, primarily when there's like two attitudes that sort of pop up among people. One of them is this attitude of inferiority. You know, Paul kind of talked about this, the idea that I don't have anything to offer you know, I'm not important, and so I don't engage in community. It's kind of like what he talked about, that the ear kind of saying to the eye, you know, oh, no one gazes at me. No one sings songs about me. I don't come in different colors. I'm not needed. Ears, we need you. Hear me. Sort of the Eeyore complex. All of us are needed. You know, there's the other extreme that some folks fall into is sort of the attitude of superiority. And that's the attitude that says, you know, I don't need anyone else. I got this, you know. I don't need community. That's for hippies. (laughs) Me and God are just fine, just on our own. I hate to tell you this, but here's the deal. That's not God's design at all, you know. In fact, that type of approach prevents us from God being able to extend his life through us to others and for us be able to receive God's grace through the body of Christ. It's important. Every part is needed. We're all important. And here's one of the ways how. We're gifted to grow one another. One of the ways is that we're gifted to grow one another. See, God wants you to become more like him. It's, it, it's, he is intent on that purpose. That's why he brought you to himself. And growth comes when Christ, who's the head of the body, does his special work so that each of us can work together and grow and mature in faith and love together. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 talk about this. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, Jesus strengthens our spiritual life as we give and receive grace to one another. And Jesus is the head and he he directs some of us as we're in community to express faith to one another. Or hospitality. Some of you have those gifts. Or teaching. Or prayer. Or mercy. Or encouragement. Or leadership. And as we express God's grace to one another, engage in a community together, God's presence and power are in us, working through us, and Jesus is there with us. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ, that Jesus is the head. And see, when we pursue Christ as the head of, our, of the body, that we pursue his will and not our own, beautiful things begin to happen. See, the way that we're designed in our body, our arm doesn't have its own will. 
or our foot or our eye. I mean, can you imagine even just trying to walk, you know? If you know, we had everything had its own will, it's our head that directs us. One will that directs the body. And that's the way that the body of Christ is designed to work, directed by Christ. And when we approach a community with a spirit of community, a spirit of submission to Christ and to one another, then love and faith and connection can grow. Next point is that we are the manifestation of Jesus in our world. You ever thought about um, what is the greatest proof to the world that God exists? And it's not chocolate mousse. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) Jesus says that our love for one another is the greatest proof to the world that he exists. The very early explosive growth in the early church was largely due to just the dynamic of the loving community that Christians experienced and the world around them longed for. You know, back in uh, 2009, maybe you saw this movie or heard about it, the movie Avatar. And uh, there was an interesting phenomenon that happened when this movie came out. I don't know if you heard about this, but there were over 300 suicides that were attributed to the despair that some people felt that when they walked out of the movie... They couldn't be part of or engage in the beautiful interconnectedness and community that was portrayed by the Navi people on this planet called Pandora. You see, the Navi were these sort of large human beings, part cat, part human, had these tails with these tentacles that came out and connected with each other and connected with nature and connected with this big tree. Y'all think I'm really nuts right now. (laughs) But the point is this, that the movie portrayed such a powerful connection and and community that some people longed for it to the point of despair. You see, there are people that are desperate, lonely, and desperate for community and for connection with others because they're designed that way by God. And when we as the church are able to connect in the way that God intended There's nothing more beautiful and enticing to the world around us. The more powerful love that we experience in community that is intended to fill us and flood us and overflow us so that we can't do anything but but be able to spill out and share that love and that hope with the world around us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation So that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak to Christ. We speak for Christ when he pleads, come back to God. Jesus' mission on this earth, it didn't end when he left and went to heaven. It exploded exponentially. You see... He was one man in one place at one time. And God had this beautiful, powerful 
plan and design that he would put his spirit in all of the people that would follow him and that his presence, the body of Christ, could be all over the world. Could be all over the world. And that we're the living presence of Jesus Christ in our world, doing his work together. God's mission depends on that. It depends on us. Next, we need each other. (coughs) We need each other. You know, um, some Christians assume it's easy to do this, you know, that, that, that because they're complete in Christ, that Christ, and we sing these songs, Christ is enough, he fills us up, and they don't, don't need anyone else. It's just me and Jesus. But that's not what the Bible teaches. See, God has saved us not only for ourselves, but also for one another. Our passage continues, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 and 20, and then 24 to 26. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So God's put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that not all the members, so all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Just imagine if, if part of your body all of a sudden said, you know, I don't need the rest of you. I'm going out on my own. You know, what if, if right now all of a sudden your eyeballs just popped out of your, <laughs> of your head, started rolling out and we're like, we're going downtown to go look at stuff, you know? Might be a little tough getting out of here today with no eyeballs, right? You know, the drive home might be a little dicey as well. <laughs> there are some that really go as far, and you've heard them, and they say, you know what? I don't need the church, you know. I experience God in nature, and me and God all alone in nature. Those are what you call your granola Christians. Um, some folks kind of treat the church, you know, it's, it's kind of like a train ride where they hop on and off, you know, whenever they please. You know, these are your commuter Christians, you know, kind of in and out. They're not connected. Um, they don't really value the church. And sadly, what I see happen a lot of times is that a lot of these folks end up walking away from their faith. And maybe it's because they never were truly connected to the body of Christ. You see, we need the church. But more than that, we need to be the church. You see, we don't go to church. We are the church. And being fully engaged in the body of Christ is so essential to God doing his work in and through us and to him fulfilling his plan for the world. And that's how we care for one another. Here's ways that we care for one another. One, we share with one another. We share with one another. Many of you uh, might remember the three musketeers. Do any of you remember the three musketeers? You remember their motto? Can you say it with me? Ready? All for one and one for all. Right? I think I'm going to say that at my next community group meeting. (laughs) All for one and all for all. I love that. You know, it's a great motto because it represents unity and every member taking responsibility for the better and the welfare of the others. It's this unity mindset that was present in the early church. We see this in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Picture this. All the members were united in heart and mind. Again, submitted to God's spirit, uniting them. They felt that whatever they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. It's beautiful. 
think a little bit about the beginnings of the early church, okay? So you've got, if you think back through church history, and maybe this will be new to you, but what happened is all these pilgrims were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish holiday of Pentecost. And at that same time, after Jesus had gone to heaven, the apostles, the disciples were gathered together and they were praying. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came and anointed them with power. And Peter was moved by the Spirit to preach to all these crowds that had come to the, the festival of Pentecost. And it says that on that day, as Peter preached about Jesus, 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. Wow, 3,000 people. Now, many of those folks, after receiving Christ, they didn't want to go home. They stayed there in Jerusalem, and fellow Christians took them in as family. Many of them who turned to Christ were thrown out of families, completely destitute. And Christians, brothers and sisters, adopted them in. Some lost their jobs because of their new faith. And again, the body of Christ worked together to clothe them, to house them, to bind up their wounds. This is the body of Christ. This is the way that it was then, and this is the way it is today. You see, today the body of Christ lives on. And here at Twin Cities Church, when we function at our best, we're a lot like this. You know, Pastor Ron shared that beautiful letter with us this last week that describes just the sacrifice and the giving of the body of Christ here because we care for one another. And then also this, we share and we also care deeply. We care for one another. See, I, I, think, I think we all realize, I hope you realize, that this, this journey of life isn't all just smooth sailing. You know, it's not a carnival cruise, <laughs> as much as we wish it was. Sometimes it's kind of more like, you know, a wild rafting ride down the rapids, like class six rapids, where you're just wondering if you're even going to survive. And I know that um, some of you are in the midst of that right now. And that's the reality of life, that it's not just a matter of if you're going to go through rough times, but when. And all of us at some point in time will experience times when just the waves of life come crashing on top of us and we're washed out to sea and we literally feel like we're drowning. Literally feel like we're drowning. And that's when we need the body of Christ to come as our life raft and rescue us and care for us and help us through that time. It's so important. There are also times when we just may lose our way and we need our brothers and sisters just to kind of help bring us home. Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back to the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. He says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? To love one another, right? And when we fully engage in community, you see, we share and we support and we love one another and we give life to one another. There's a, a, a group that meets here at the church. Um, it is a, a mom's grief support group for moms that have lost um, children. And I was invited to go uh, a little over a month ago. And um, I can tell you that I have never ever experienced just from the very beginning I got there such a deep level of honesty 
and compassion and just gut level vulnerability and interdependence. I mean, they literally gave life to each other. It was incredibly beautiful to me. I've seen this kind of connection in some of our Celebrate Recovery groups as well. And even in my own life and experience with community groups, you know, times when we come together as one body and we absorb deep sorrow and loss together as a body and when we give and help a friend who's out of work or when we laugh and cry and dance when our kids graduate or get married um, or when a kid returns from a dangerous path. Yesterday I gathered with some group group mates um, down in Elk Grove to uh, memorialize one of our group members, Larry Cleveland, who passed away. And it was a beautiful time to be together and support one another. And yesterday at the same time, right here in our lobby, there was a, a very small community group that were there together to celebrate a wedding together. You see, this is the body of Christ. This is where we share Jesus' life together. And, and, and we all need that. We all need that. I'd like you to watch this video of Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church as he describes the importance of community in his life. This last year, I had many, many black, dark days of discouragement and depression and grief as I mourned the loss of my son who took his life. And I want to tell you, it was my small group that pulled me through that. In fact, I probably wouldn't be standing here talking to you right now if it weren't for my small group. Now, I, you know, I always talk about everybody needs to be in a small group. The one I'm in, it's got eight people in it, four men, four women, four couples. And uh, we've been together now 11 years. There is no problem we have not been through together. And they were there for me. There were times they came over and just spent the night at my house. There were times they just showed up. They didn't say anything. It was just a ministry of presence. And they were there in my darkest days. And I've been there for them in their darkest days. I wouldn't have made it without my small group and those close friends. You know, Saddleback is the only church in America that has more people in small groups that meet during the week than come on the weekends. We meet in homes. In fact, we have 8,200 small groups in this church. And they meet from Santa Monica to San Diego. Every city has a Saddleback small group in it in Southern California. So there's no reason for you to not be in one. If you're not in a group, I actually worry about you as your pastor because you don't have the safety net that when those rogue winds come, who's going to show up for you day after day after day? And by the way, who are you going to show up for when they go through that? Hmm. You know, Pastor Rick described how, you know, during this difficult time, and you can imagine as a very public figure, you know, there was a lot of ugliness that happened. Um, when his son committed suicide. And um, it was a very dark time. And he said that his group carried him. And there have been times when he has carried his other group members. You know, Saddleback Church is one of the largest churches in America. I mean, they have thousands and thousands of people. And yet, this huge church was small enough and intimate enough to meet his need when he needed it. And you know why? It was because he was connected and engaged in community. And so how do we experience community? Well, by actively engaging in a community group. 
by actively engaging in a community group. You know, it really doesn't matter. You can be part of a very small church, big or large. What really matters is if you are engaged in close, trusting relationships where burdens can be known and they can be shared and where faith and love can be grown and be cherished together, you know. I really believe that the best place for that is in a community group. The very early beginnings of the early church that we talked about, you know, 3,000 people in one day. How did they manage that? How were people cared for? Well, it tells us, and we can read about it here in Acts 2, 42 to 47. It tells us that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, what worked for them then works for us now. See, assembling together as a large community together, equipping, getting equipped to do God's work together. And then during the week, going out and gathering in small communities where we can be the church together and minister to one another's needs. And then go out and do God's work in our world. Now, I want to pause for a second. I'm going to be really realistic with you because some of you, you know, you've tried to get into a group. You've done this before and maybe you just couldn't find one and it just didn't work. Or maybe you got in a group and you, and you just didn't feel that you were welcome. You know, some of you are in a group right now and there's a personality in that group and they just sort of dominate the conversation. It's driving you crazy. You know, I want you to think about this. I mean, here's the deal. Whatever group you get in, it's going to be filled with imperfect people just like you, right? (laughs) I mean, ever think about Jesus' small group? I mean, really, his disciples? All right, we got fishermen. We've got a tax collector, an anarchist. We've got a traitor. We've got the sons of thunder, you know? And then there were the women, Mary Magdalene. I mean, come on, think about it. They were a ragtag group of people. A lot of issues going on there. But then consider what God did with them. You know, we really wouldn't even be here today if it weren't for those very early first groupings, Jesus' first small group. See, the call is to engage in community. And that means being relentless and not giving up. Digging in and submitting yourself to Christ and walking into a group. And instead of asking the the question of what can I group do for me or are they giving me enough attention asking God what God how do you want to use me what can I give to this group you're designed for community your spiritual vitality depends on it we depend on it and Christ's mission in this world depends on it you see you are the body of Christ and you are an important part I mean, can you just imagine for a moment if every one of us at Twin Cities Church, if we were to engage in community in the way that God designed and intended it for it to be? I mean, what that might that look like, you know? 
we might experience something much more than a group of religious people, you know, sitting in seats together and watching some great music and, and listening to somebody talk, you know. Maybe we could be a people who share the same life, who belong to the same Lord and who are filled with the same spirit, who are given gifts by that spirit and who labor together to change their community and impact their world together for the glory of God. You see, that is the body of Christ, and that is the church. Let's pray. Lord God, I, uh, I thank you for the miracle of the church, of the body of Christ. And uh, God, there may be some that have longed for something like that, and, and today they just feel your spirit saying, come be part of the family. And they may say yes and just say, Lord, forgive me for trying to go out on my own and help me. Forgive me. Take me in. Make me part of this family. Help them engage. And God, I know that some of us, Lord, have been here in church for years, and yet we've never thought of church in these terms before. It's like the TV shows that sometimes we watch. And I love that, you know, where maybe there's this lady on a block, and she all of a sudden discovers that she has a sister that lives just two blocks away and this person went from being a neighbor to being someone cherished and loved and we sit next to folks in this room and I pray that you open our eyes to how we are brothers and sisters and connected that we are the body of Christ together help us God to desire to be engaged with you in that way and we pray Lord in Jesus name amen